Hello, and welcome to the Enlightened Awakening Podcast. A place of honest and authentic conversations. I'm your host, Timmy. And I'm Uriel. And today we wanted to have a conversation about something that has been a very hot topic in mainstream media recently, which is AI or artificial intelligence. It's been interesting to kind of see the way that the conversation online and in the news has started to evolve, particularly with the arrival of ChatGPT. But as anybody who has been keeping an eye on this space for the last little bit knows, ChatGPT is really kind of just the crowning achievement of something that's been in the works for quite a few years. And so, Uriel, I wanted to ask you to start. When you started hearing more about AI and the impact that it was starting to have, what were your initial thoughts on the way that it could potentially impact the way that we live our lives as a society? To be honest with you, I actually didn't know a whole lot about what AI was and what it entailed. And when you kind of started talking to me about it and I started kind of doing a little bit of research regarding that, it was really quite interesting because in my head, I didn't really think that technology like that was possible. And the level of efficiency that some of these AI have is incredibly fascinating. A long time ago, I watched the movie iRobot with... Um, Will Smith and basically, long story short, the robots take over and then he has to save humanity from essentially robots that control the world. And funnily enough, I kind of feel like maybe that's the way it will go where eventually we won't be able to keep control of computers, but who knows? It's just incredible to me how proficient we've become as humans to create such fascinating technology that just makes our jobs that much easier. Yeah, it's interesting, man, because... For me, I'm a huge fan of anime, as you know, and I know that uh, like Western media has been covering this idea for a while, Terminator, iRobot, as you mentioned. So it's not a new concept for robots and artificial intelligence to be, well, I'd say the, the idea of the threat that could potentially emerge when artificial intelligence becomes too intelligent. It's not a new idea, but I think what was a turning point for me, this was, I think, in the last year of Obama's pre presidency, where he actually went to visit uh, Boston University, and they have a team called Boston Dynamics there. And essentially, they're building a robot that, at that time, had just started becoming capable of playing soccer. It could pass the ball back and forth. It's able to open doors by itself. And so right away, I started thinking, oh, yeah, this seems quite similar to what I've seen in Terminator, because the U.S. military obviously is very interested in leveraging this technology for military purposes. But inevitably, my head where that goes, I'm like, man, that's that's crazy to think that we could potentially in the not too distant future have autonomous weapons that are able to make the decision to end a human life without or with minimal input, perhaps from a human. The other place where this started becoming a more prominent thought of mine was when Tesla came out with their fully autonomous driving technology. And yeah, of course, you got to still be in the driver's seat, or at least that's what they say you need to do. And you need to put your hands on the wheel every X amount of time. I don't know, because I actually don't have a Tesla, but I just thought it was really interesting to see how far this had come and then enter chat GPT. And I remember when I started telling you about it. Yeah, as you said, it was kind of surprising all the things that it could do. And initially, I kind of started thinking about, man, this has the ability to really replace a lot of the work that humans are doing currently. One of the things that I saw somebody talking about that 
I very much agree with now is the idea that AI may not necessarily take over what it is that humans are doing, but humans who are leveraging AI are certainly going to be the ones who are moving ahead in this next era. And I resonate very much with that because I do see that AI can be a fantastic tool that can allow us to expand what we're capable of, as you referenced, but it's definitely not without its downs. Well, it's definitely not without its dangers, let's say. Yeah, I think all technology has limitations, and I don't think that artificial intelligence is really a type of technology that also won't have limitations at some point. What those limitations are, I guess we're going to find out. With some of the autonomous intelligence that you mentioned as well, for example, with Tesla, there's been some issues along with the self-driving utilization of the cars. And, you know, there's been problems with that. Some cars have crashed. So I think it's really cool, for sure. What kind of piques my interest right now is that when all of this technology is being released to the public for public use, it just begs the question of what type of technology the government has access to if they are able to commercialize products like this. Because I choose to believe that they have that technology and then some. And so all of the stuff that's behind closed curtains, like you said, for militarization, it really kind of begs the question of how far is technology truly and how far we've become. And when you talked about, I forgot the name, Boston. Dynamics. Dynamics, yeah. And I remember they started with like the four-legged looking dog and now they have the other autonomous robot that like does parkour and like jumps and does flips and backflips. And it's crazy that those robots are way more capable than me. It's just insane, you know, that they're capable of doing that. So kudos to all of the engineers and scientists and people involved in that that have been able to develop that technology. It's truly incredible. And hopefully we can continue to develop, well, they can continue to develop technology that can hopefully save lives. Yeah. And make human life much better in regards to some of the challenges that we have. Perhaps they can figure out how to cure cancers. So I sure hope so. Yeah, I have, well, heard a little bit about how they're leveraging AI to do things specifically with cancer and try to figure out exactly like the way that cancer grows and to map it out using AI. And I have heard that uh, they have made some progress in that. So I would say initially medical application is not something that came to mind when I started thinking about the leveraging of AI to accomplish different things. But you're right, man. I'm really hoping that we'll be able to steer it in that direction. I remember when this started becoming, again, more of a mainstream topic that I think it was Mark Zuckerberg and uh, Elon Musk had a pretty interesting exchange over Twitter, where essentially Musk was talking about the importance of legislation catching up to what it is that AI is capable of doing, whereas Mark Zuckerberg was trying to play down any potential dangers. And I just remember then thinking, why is it that these two titans of industry who have founded multi-billion dollar companies have such different viewpoints? For me personally, I started thinking about back in the day of Facebook when it first came around, you had to give Facebook permission to be able to use all these apps and all these additional add-ons that were super popular back then. And of course, with all those permissions, Facebook was able to get a whole lot of information about us, how we function or what it is that draws our attention. And of course, now Facebook's biggest source of revenue is from ads because they are very capable of being able to serve ads to a very specific population or even a subset of a population. And where do they get all that information? Well, from all the permissions we gave them. Because of that, they are very well positioned to be able to create AI technology that 
can be very powerful. And so I can see why Facebook would want to downplay the dangers around that. But Musk, of course, has has similar, I would say, stakes in terms of the advancement of AI, particularly, I think, when it comes to Neuralink. I don't know if you've looked into that at all, but the whole idea is intended for Neuralink to be able to be a interface between computers and the human brain. And for me, again, I've watched a lot of anime where I've seen where those things end up. And I think it'll be interesting to kind of see where that leads us. Because for me personally, I'm not super interested in implanting technology like that into my head, but I definitely know that there are people out there who would be interested to see what that could be like. I think that's such an interesting thought. I've actually heard a little bit about Neuralink. They've had a lot of pushback because of the amount of animals that they have experimented in have died. And so the activists have pushed back around that. And I agree, right? Like they're sacrificing all these animals for the sake of science, which depending on who you ask, you know, they'll have a different opinion on that. Yet I find that they're basically trying to make humans more efficient through artificial intelligence. True. And I mean, I feel like I've I've seen movies and, and videos regarding having like a chip in your brain set and then it basically has a career path pre-chosen for you. And I can't imagine living in a world like that, where basically the moment you're born, you get a chip. And obviously the people that are in control of the world are obviously going to give their families all of the chips with all the success, right? With all the glamorous careers. That would be a crazy world where the minorities probably are going to get chips inserted to them, doing all the laborious work that nobody else wants to do. And I mean, I'm just speculating, right? I don't I don't know if that's actually going to happen or if that's ever even possible. Yet, I won't sit here and say it won't be possible because, I mean, look where we're at now. I think a lot of our ancestors probably didn't think any of the things that we have now were possible, and and they, they are. So that'd be a scary world. I don't know that it's going to happen in our lifetime, so maybe we don't have to worry about it that much. But I do worry about the future because we talk about being our authentic selves, And I don't know that having a chip inserted into your brain would really allow you to have the choice of who you want to be as a person, which is an interesting conversation in itself. Yeah, I don't want to fall into the slippery slope fallacy, but it's like, where do we draw the line, right? Once we start down that path, because I know even it hasn't been that long ago that I started hearing people talking about the idea that you could, for example, do DNA well, you could adjust the DNA of children who are in vitro, or you have more control over the way that certain genes are expressed, actually, I think is what it was. That to me was crazy, because then you start getting into the realm of designer babies, right? Again, something else that's been referenced in pop culture for many, many decades. But it really does beg the question, like, once we start down that path, are we going to Like, is legislation going to be able to catch up? At what point is the government going to step in? Or is the government going to be complicit in some of these advances because of what it allows them to do? I can imagine in a country like China, they're probably very interested in that sort of technology. I'm sure that you've probably heard about all the AI systems that they're using in terms of facial recognition and how there is, I don't know how far along they are along this path, but this whole idea of having like a social score, which is kind of a little bit like what you had been referencing earlier, but this idea that wherever you go, your actions are being monitored and are being scored and stored in a database that will then determine what 
you're able to do, what you're able to access, and what the limitations are that you're going to face in society. To me, that's insane. And it's frightening, but you made a comment about it maybe not being in our lifetime. I truly believe it will be in our lifetime. I think that even if we look at the advances that ChatGPT has introduced, most people never would have thought that something like that would be possible, particularly now with the introduction of GPT-4 that now is able to pass the LSAT with a 90% success rate. Or rather, no, it, uh, it can score in the 90th percentile, actually, is what That's I heard. That's crazy, man. Right? Totally insane. Like what? And then it introduces all of these pieces here with academics, right? And this was the funniest part to me. I was talking to somebody about this the other day. You can use ChatGPT or technology like that to write an essay, but then the schools are purchasing technology that allows them to detect text that is written by AI. But then the funniest part to me about this is that there is also technology that allows you to put AI generated text through another AI, which will then make it undetectable by that AI that is intended to catch text that is written by AI. So they're basically, they created a technology to make life easier, but then now they have to create other technology because people are utilizing that technology in inappropriate ways to get by easier. But then there's more technology so that they can utilize that, te that initial technology to get away with things. I, it's, it's fascinating to me how the human brain works in that regard. Yeah, I remember when you were in school and you'd write an essay you'd have to set it through a program that would basically look for plagiarism, right? And now, right. I mean, that issue is probably increased tenfold with AI, which well, can you really blame people for one not wanting to spend the amount of time they have to spend doing something that they don't like to do? And that's the question. Is it really plagiarism if you're using AI to do it? I don't know. I think there's a, lo there's a lot of question marks, right, about the utilization of some of this technology and the rules around that, right? Yeah, for people who have been using ChatGPT, like it's all about the inputs. And so you really do got to get extremely intentional with the input that you're putting in there. And so in my opinion, like really and truly as somebody who has leveraged the system quite a bit and knows that it's pretty difficult to get high quality output and it really depends on how good your input is. To me, I think it's just interesting that the schools, well, I mean, they really don't have a choice, right? They do need to do something about this because let's look at it on the flip side. We don't want people who are going through school and then are expected to show proficiency at a certain level to then be declared a professional in that field to have different ways to shortcut that, right? Something else that was in the news a couple months ago was on a slightly unrelated topic, but all of those fake nursing degrees that had been issued by a discredited university or a university that, I don't even think it was a university. I think it was a some sort of um, like post-secondary institution that was issuing these fake credentials. And so all these unqualified nurses were, I think it was like 7,500 unqualified nurses were entering the workforce. And then they started seeing like, they're failing like the board exam. Yeah, they may have gotten provisional licenses, right? Or graduate licenses. Yeah, it was insane. Was this in the US? Yeah, it was in the US. Yeah, I can't remember exactly oh, wow. what state, but. That's scary, man. It's terrifying, right? Can you imagine? Like one of them passes the exam, but isn't actually prepared and then they have to take care of you or your family. Whew. Yeah, and that's what it is, right? You're going to kill someone's grandma. Like, yeah, scary, like, scary. Like, stuff. it's a serious problem. And so, I get why, in terms of academics, it's definitely a red flag and something to be fearful of because I definitely w wouldn't want somebody who just leveraged AI to be able to go and provide me a service that normally would take years of training and 
having to show proficiency at a certain level before you are granted that privilege. Yeah. I'm really curious to see how it's going to affect the human psyche because I think that all technology has made it far easier for us to have access to a variety of wants and desires. I mean, you can order food with your phone, you can look up a video, you can distract yourself very easily with mobile phones, computers, video games. But when it looks like to AI, and, and I think with academics, which is kind of what we've been touching on right now, it'll be very interesting how that's going to affect the academic field. But more importantly, what is that going to do to the human psyche in regards to people's willingness to want to develop and learn? Because there'll be no incentive to perhaps learn about a variety of topics if all you can do is get an answer from an artificial intelligent program. I mean, I think that kind of happened with the transition from books to like Google, right? It was so much easier to just look up an answer on Google. And so I think a lot more people were leaning towards that as opposed to going through a textbook and reading through some of the content and you know yeah. the benefits of that right because you're diversifying your knowledge by exposing yourself to all all of the literature as opposed to just singularly looking up an answer i think there could be benefits to both and obviously downfalls to it as well i think the world has become so competitive though that we're going to continue to look towards the most efficient path I personally think that's just the way the world is going to go. Yeah, I think so too. Because talking about what you were referencing here about not going through textbooks to gain knowledge or leveraging things like Google, right? That have just made it so much easier. You remember back when you were a kid when you had to memorize phone numbers and how many phone numbers you probably actually had memorized? So true. I The thing is, I had so many now, I don't remember any. Bro, I don't remember any. I know, either. right? My wife's, I'm like, let me make sure that I can at least memorize my wife's number in case like there's ever an emergency, my phone breaks. But I'll be honest, my wife's, my mom's number, that's it. That's the only ones that I've got, right? And so we've already seen that the brain is choosing to prune those neurons that are no longer being used. And I think that we're going to see more of that with the integration of AI. But I do think that it is still an extremely powerful tool and that those who are really going to shine during this next time are the ones who are indeed leveraging it to expand what they're capable of instead of attempting to use it as a shortcut so they can put in less effort. Yeah, and I think like even in university, I when I got to university, it was almost like mandatory for you to have a laptop, right? Because it just made the work far more efficient. And having to write or take notes writing, it was almost nearly impossible unless you were a very efficient writer and wanted to develop carpal tunnel, <laughs> trying to take up all the notes from your classes. And I just think now like things like iPad Pros, right, where you can write and make notes and, and do diagrams as you're going. Like now I kind of wish I had that when I was in university because it would have been far easier. But it's just incredible how technology has advanced so much. But there will be a downfall, most certainly. Yeah. We don't know what that is right now. And I think we need to certainly prepare ourselves and hopefully, you know, we don't mess things up a little too much that we can't get back. Yeah. I have to be honest. I, I think we're heading in that direction, but I'll be very interested to see the ways that the government is going to respond to some of what's going on because so far they're really lagging behind. I remember I saw this one uh, Senate panel where Mark Zuckerberg had to explain very, very basic things about the internet to members of the Senate. And I was like, this is 
painful. If this is where you guys are at, like we are in trouble. And of course, Canada loves to kind of just follow suit with whatever the US is doing. And so I'm like, we ain't really in good hands. And I don't think that many leaders are well prepared. I should say leaders in government anyways. I don't believe that they're well prepared for what's coming. And I mean, as, as technology becomes far more complex, obviously, those that take the time to investigate and learn and educate themselves on the technology that's coming out are going to be, like you said, the ones that utilize these programs are going to get the one, be the ones that get far ahead. But when you think about it, there isn't really a lot of incentive to learn about how the technology work, like works and the, and the dangers associated with the technology. Mm -hmm. The incentive is to figure out how to, like, how to use the technology to make your life easier. And that's it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of these companies are taking advantage of the naive nature of humans that are really just choosing to use this technology to their benefit, but have no real interest in finding out how it works. Or at least a very limited amount of people do want to know how it works because they're just interested in it and they, they find it fascinating. But a large majority of them just want to know how to use it, how to make the life easier and move on. Yeah, it's the perpetual pursuit of the path of least resistance. And I think that this potentially opens up a lot more avenues for that. And rightly so, those who are concerned about how things are progressing, I think that they definitely have some ground when it comes to that, because you're right, man, like it is, it's a little bit, I would say, yeah, frightening. It's frightening to kind of imagine how things could potentially progress from here because yeah, chat GPT has been blowing up. But again, this is just the ground level at every level of innovation, more innovation becomes possible, right? And those who maybe were already working on different projects or had other things in mind in terms of what AI, let's say specifically could potentially do, they've now seen what is possible. And that's the interesting thing about the human race is that when we start to understand on a deeper level what is truly possible, then that's when the floodgates really open. It was like the five-minute mile. Nobody had ever ran a five-minute mile ever. And then as soon as the first person did it, everybody was like, oh, it is possible. And that mindset shift really just blew open the floodgates. And the five-minute mile was no longer something that was rare. It had actually become commonplace. And so I think we're going to see something similar here as well, whereas other companies are starting to see, okay, this is what open AI is doing. This is what the impact has been. This is what the financial side of it looks like. Let me get a piece of that pie as well. I'm glad that you brought up the financial side because that's, I think, the thing that scares me the most about all of this new technology. And, and most people that started up with ChatGPT when it first started, it was a free program to use because they were trying to gather data from the public. And then now it provides a premium service. And the scary thing about a lot of that technology is when it starts to become commercialized and has features that are financially accessible to some and not to others. And when you think about utilizing technology for the greater good of humanity, then you'd hope that that technology would be accessible to everyone. Obviously, that's easier said than done because you cannot run a company or let alone develop any type of technology without any type of funding. So. I understand why they might need to monetize some of that technology and, and utilize that to continue to develop the programs or the artificial intelligence in this case. But it's scary because when the wrong people get a hold of this technology and then they start to monetize it, you know, we've seen it time and time again in history, the wrong people get a hold of very, very powerful technology. It can be a scary thing, you know, like things like nukes, we, you know, even right now with like Russia, that is the biggest fear of the entire world. 
that Russia is just going to start nuking the world. I mean, that's probably going to be the end of humanity. So scary stuff, man. Hopefully, hopefully everything stays under control and, you know, the right people stay in power so that we continue to prosper as, as a society and, and humans in general. Yeah, agreed, man. And just on a closing note with that financial piece you were talking about, I just have to say I'm bitter about that, particularly with chat GPT. <laughs> when it first came out, like I was like, oh, this is amazing. Like you can access your chat and everything. As soon as they dropped GPT plus my chat, every time they're like, oh, we're not able to load chat right now. We're not able to load chat. It's overloaded. And I'm like, yeah, I see what y'all are doing here. And guess what? Am I going to probably pay for GPT plus? Yes, very likely because I've seen what the tool can do and $20 US for me is a steal for what it's capable of doing. But you're entirely right that you would hope that it's going to be something that we're going to leverage for the betterment of all. But inevitably, private corporations, they're really there to turn a profit. And doesn't work that way. Right, exactly. And so that's where I think we're going to see some interesting stuff, particularly when it comes to government lobbying. We saw that with like tobacco, with drugs, really people who are interested in continuing to make a profit are going to make it a great financial incentive for those in power to pass laws or to prevent the passage of laws that will allow them to continue doing what they're doing. And so I think that's potentially where we could get ourselves into trouble. Yeah. And I think it's so interesting how companies do just that, provide less support for the free options. So that it incentivizes the customers to actually purchase the premium program, which obviously will have far more support. I mean, at the end of the day, most of these companies are for-profit businesses. And as much as we like to have access to all of these and live in an equitable world, it's just not never going to be that way. I mean, it's working. They got me. So <laughs> what incentive do they have to do anything any different? That's a good point. Oh, boy. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode, guys. We truly appreciate the continued support. If you haven't already, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, everywhere. We out here on all platforms. So wherever you like to listen, we gonna be waiting for you. So again, that continued support is very much appreciated. And we look forward to you guys continuing on this journey with us. Thank you for listening and have a good day. Stay blessed.